0: Shalom, this is Rabbi Paul Saul from Congregation Shuva Israel in West Hartford, Connecticut. I want to share with you some reflections on Parsha Noach, the Torah portion for this week. Over the last few decades, and especially this year, this Parsha seems especially and increasingly sobering. September and October seem to bring new catastrophic threats and concerns to the southeast portion of the Americas and the Caribbean Islands. This year, as Hurricane Ian rapidly made landfall, my family, like so many others, held our collective breath. The horror seems so much more poignant, since my wife and I have so many family members and friends on the west coast of Florida. Year after year, they have confidently recounted to us how the brunt of the tropical storms missed them, and, they had not needed to evacuate. This year, they did evacuate, and thankfully, they were all safe. Others, though, were not so fortunate. In Lee County, Florida, which was hit the hardest, state and local warnings to evacuate were withheld until a day before the storm hit, way too late for so many. It is hard to know why, perhaps fear of error, concerns about uh, panic, a misguided optimism that the storm might change its path, or just a mistrust of the science that has become so accurate at predicting these storms. The biblical recounting of the great deluge records a century-long human avoidance of warnings. Of course, the Noah narratives speak of a worldwide evil that is eradicated since humanity had become irreparably evil. So I want to be cautious not to suggest that the proliferation of catastrophic natural events is just that but these disasters may be due in part to humanity's failure to keep covenant with God in order to consider this we should look back briefly at last week's portion bereshit in the beginning as described by the first two commandments given in Genesis humankind was given the responsibility of being the image bearers of God in this world in two very distinct ways first humanity is commanded to have dominion in this world be fertile and increase fill the earth and master it and rule the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and all the living things that creep on the earth we read in Genesis 1 28. the second divine charge to humanity is to care for literally lava or to serve or worship and to guard Ushamru, the garden. That's in Genesis 2.15. Now, while this command is very much the same as the first command, it is actualized quite differently. In the first, humans mirror the image of God as kings, but in the second, as servants. Dominion or mastery does not then suggest unbridled freedom to ravage, exploit, and exhaust the rest of the creation Rather, as the only beings created in the image of God, humans are expected to be benevolent rulers serving the creation in the same way that Hashem does. The God of Israel is pictured as a uniquely benevolent ruler who cares for His creation. We are to do no less. It is the virtually unanimous conclusion among climate scientists, though, that tropical storms, floods, droughts, wildfires, and other natural disasters are the result of an irresponsible human footprint on this planet. Furthermore, that warning has been sounded for well over five decades and has been ignored and increasingly been realized. How we treat the planet is a direct reflection of our regard for others, for God, and for his creation. For Noah and family, there were lessons to be learned on dry ground after the deluge. So I would like to point to three of those and suggest how they might inform our going forward in a manner that I believe will be pleasing to the Creator and would allow us to be His image bearers as He created us to be. Lesson one. We can rise above our circumstances. In Midrash Tanchuma, it states what is meant by Noah was righteous in his age well it means that Noah was righteous in his age but not in others to what may this be compared if someone places a silver coin among copper the silver appears more attractive the same Midrash though gives an alternative understanding stating it can be compared meaning Noah's righteousness to a jar of balsam placed on the top of a grave that gives off a goodly fragrance. Had it been placed in a home, how much more so would that be? Now, the Midrash conflicting interpretations suggest that we're all products of our time, yet we can rise above the expectations of the age. We're not meant to be merely a reflection of current values, but can be examples of a better way of living. The second lesson, the world was not created in a day, and neither will it be rebuilt in a day. It took Noah 120 years to build the ark. The work before us will not be accomplished instantaneously either. According to the Midrashim, it took too long so that men might have time to repent repent even though in the end, not one heart was turned. Interestingly, Noah, spelled backwards in Hebrew, is "chein," or favor. In Tractate Sanhedrin of the Babylonian Talmud, we read this remarkable statement. Noah had a death sentence sealed against him, but he found favor in the eyes of God. In other words, But God chose to save him because of God's own grace. So what does this tell us? That our watchword might be slow and steady, build board by board. Lesson three, our best will arise out of our diversity. The rainbow is a symbol of God's covenant with all living creatures. It represents all the color and contours of life. Sir Isaac Newton, who himself was a righteous man and a Hebraist, as well as the father of modern science, observed that it is the entire range of the color spectrum that together comprises luminescence of pure light. The light of God, then, is best seen in the diversity of humanity later god confounds language at the tower of babel so that humankind might experience the command and blessing of filling the earth the diversity of languages though sometimes a hindrance might be understood as a blessed assistance not a punitive measure as we often think of it we are made up of academics And those who work with their hands those who think more transactionally and those who are more relational those who think in terms of larger more systemic plans and those who tend to the immediate needs of themselves and others we need each of these foci and therefore we can learn from each other so here's a conclusion after the deluge it has now been 17 years since Hurricane Katrina made landfall. Four U.S. presidents and eight congresses have since come and gone. In the immediate aftermath, many step forward to help their neighbors. Yet little has improved, and every effort has been made to persuade us to keep the status quo by those who would shape the natural beauty of creation into vestiges of their own power it's a time that we return to our own heritage as the image bearers of the creator and tend and protect his garden this is rabbi paul saul it's been my pleasure to share with you i hope you've uh, considered some of these things and um if you are interested in hearing more of these commentaries on the torah On a weekly basis, just go to umjc.org. Have a wonderful week and a blessed Shabbat.